0: Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more, and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast.
1: A production of John Konzano's Baldface Truth.
0: We got a fun show today. We're going to get a, uh, a bunch of guests that are in and around the flavor of Oregon and Portland as well. We got Miss Oregon, in fact, on the show today in the four o'clock hour. She will be part of the BFT Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament tomorrow. She's going to join us today, talk about uh, whether or not she can play golf. We'll find out uh, in about 24 hours. Damian Lillard, is he staying? Is he going? If he's staying, who's, who's coming to Portland? We'll talk about that on today's show, plus... We'll get a visit from John Wilner, Bay Area News Group Superstar. We will uh, talk about the Pac-12, the ongoing saga of the Pac-12, and whether or not some current Pac-12 teams can matter in the playoff next season and beyond. And by matter, I mean can they win games. Can they win games? Uh, But before all that, how about a quintessential Portland guest? You know what I'm talking about? I talked about it on yesterday's show. Do you know the song Feel It Still from Portugal the Man? Uh, a band, an act, uh, a group of singers uh, that uh, speak to Portland as much as Portugal the Man. John Gorley is the lead singer. He joins us now. How are you, my friend?
1: What's happening? I do know that song. I do know it.
0: <laughs> you got it. And too bad it wasn't a contest. We could say, John, on line six, uh, <laughs> name that tune. Um, let me ask you like give me like when because you hear that you know you probably do interviews and people will play that song over and over again or people will bring that song up like i've heard some artists say you know they have a favorite song and some say they don't like you know on that album is that a song that you know you you say is your go-to or do you ever get tired when you're touring of playing a song over and over how does that work
1: Yeah, you can can definitely get tired of playing a song over and over. That song, though, you know, I grew up with 90s bands and this weird, like, fear of your, like, hit song, which weirdly, like, the 90s, like, the most competitive era in rock music, I would say. Like, every band had a smash. Every band had something, you know? It's, uh, people stopped wanting to play their hits. Hmm. And... As a music fan, like, I love it. I can't believe we have something like that. I mean, can you believe that we wrote a song like that, that so many people want to listen to? I like why, why would I ever want to run from that? And I think it's really, I mean, personally, I feel it's a really great song. It makes me really nostalgic. I grew up in Alaska on these like long dog sled trips, dog mushing trips. My parents were dog sled mushers. And we would listen to the Marvelettes and the Beatles. and it's got an interpolation of Mr. Postman in the song, so it makes me think of those rides every time we sing it, and it's just fun. Love watching my daughter sing it.
0: It's interesting because I've got three daughters, and I will, uh, you know, they they're at the age where they're kind of dabbling on the piano and whatnot, and I feel like this this pressure or maybe this uh, this desire to introduce them to a music teacher or get them playing an instrument. Did your parents were they aware at the time that? they were sort of forming this human being in, in young John that would go on to be a performer and a lead singer and a musician?
1: Oh, wow, absolutely not. I, I don't think anybody, myself included, predicted that we would ever do any of this stuff. And I feel so lucky that we get to do it. I I was a, an extremely shy kid growing up. I mean, I even at the beginning of this band, into my early 20s, I, I couldn't order food. Our bass player, Zach, would always kind of nudge the waitress or whoever's there and say uh this is what he would like because i would just panic having to to talk to people and i get anxiety in front of people
0: and now you find yourself up in front of the room is it different i guess it's does it feel different for you if you are in front of a room having to speak versus being able to perform or or is it the same kind of nerves do you still get those nerves
1: yeah I, well i don't really speak on stage um we've kind of figured out like a, a good balance for that is we have this big screen behind us and we we can sit down beforehand and just write funny things to put on the screen and I let that kind of interact with people and this comes a lot from not just me having anxiety it's it's something like i would go to shows and I would hear people like banter and go on and on and First of all, I don't have that in me, and I, I think it's so amazing <laughs> what people do. Like, I'm always so impressed. I'm like, dang, dude, like, how can you talk to people like, in, like this? How Are you so charismatic? And, uh, yeah, it's just it, it, more time to play music for me. I prefer doing that.
0: The process of creating, you guys have a new album out. It's uh, titled Chris Black Changed My Life. First of all, I'd love to know the meaning behind that. It's, uh, I'm fascinated.
1: Yeah, so um, in 2019, our good friend Chris Black passed. He was our, like, a, our hype man. I guess everybody likes to call him our hype man. I never really thought of him in that way. He was just my friend Chris, who was just really fun to have on tour. And that's what being in a band is supposed to be. You're supposed to just have fun. He would come up on stage with us, and I remember the first thing we ever did with him, we played just like corporate event. And and I asked, like, hey, can my friend Chris come and DJ that show? Chris comes up. He DJs the show. And it's it just while well, we're playing, we're in this room. You know, it's a little bit stuffy at those events sometimes. And Chris is so good at lighting up the room that he picks up the mic. And he just starts riffing. And he's going, oh, my God, can you believe we're all here together witnessing this? This is amazing. Listen to that guitar. And he's just trying to make us laugh. And from that moment, we, we were just like, this this dude is coming on tour with us. Like, we we have to tour together. It's it's too much fun. But uh, he he sadly passed in 2019, and I, I noticed some something that I didn't expect to happen: uh, our our entire friend group fractured. People that I didn't even hang out with, Chris around, and it, everybody just kind of like went their own, their separate ways, and it it was really sad for me it was really hard seeing this like such a great friend group not know how to exist without chris
0: it's so interesting that you say that i was talking to a friend of mine today about you know there, there's i always think of people in two different ways you're either a unifier or you're a divider and when you get unifiers like that like chris black was for you guys like you know he's a glue guy
1: yes it he really is it, it's that glue in that circle and it keeps everybody together and i think i think when things shut down it it left me thinking a lot about those people a lot about those people in our lives that i mean they bring community together they are they are like our moral compass in a lot of ways too like they kind of like show you the way they check you when you cross a line and they're always just making you laugh
0: john gorley our guest lead singer portugal the man uh, their new album out. You just heard it mentioned uh, in, in honor of their good friend Chris Black. Chris Black changed my life. Um, the process when you are recording songs, writing songs, I hear songwriters and bands will say, "Hey, we wrote that one in an hour and recorded it." Others will be like, "It takes months." Um, give me an idea your process when you do that. And has has there been a song where you just it just came together very naturally like that?
1: Feel It Still is one of those songs for us. That, and it just was like for whatever reason. I, I kind of think the best songs come out of that. Like w- w- when you just let it happen, and it and it all just it seems like it's already formed. It, it's as if you're you're it's it's kind of like you're misremembering a song. Mm. You know, you're, you're you're feeling nostalgic and you're grabbing onto the next line, whatever you think that next line is. And I, I think it's like these weird glitches in in the creative mind that just let you kind of. Where's the next thing going to go? Like, where's this going to take me? And you just let it kind of lead the way. So Feel It So was on, honestly the easiest song we've ever written. Um, but there, there's different parts of that process. I, I personally don't really like to write much in, unless it is presenting itself. Hence, six years to put on an album.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny because I write a sports column, John, and, and I, my wife will say, you know, uh, when are you going to write? And I'll say when I'm ready to write. Like I, I know I'm, I know when I'm ready. And I, I hear a little bit of that when you talk about songwriting and that creative process. Like you can't force it if the material's not there.
1: Totally, that's funny that you say that because that is a thing you can never have in the room with you when you're writing. Is the, uh, okay, come on, write it, write it, write it. You never want somebody telling you to write it. I like, guess is why we're writers is. We exist in this other space. And it's, it's just like a different frame, you know. We, we have a daughter who um, just two years ago, she started having seizures. And um, just to take you down this path, uh, my daughter started having seizures a couple of years ago. And uh, we, we went in, and it's, it's, a, it's pretty heavy, but she, she is diagnosed with this neurodegenerative disease through genetic testing, like we, we learned that this is what she has. She has this ultra-rare, one of six kids in the world that has her specific mutation. Um, there's things about her brain that I find so fascinating because it is so specific to her. And it makes, it makes me think about a lot of people in the world. It makes me think about when, when you know, you, you see people around that have, there's something different about them. Uh, it makes me think genetically how we're all just like these Lego pieces. It's it's so wild to, to think that we're all like wired so differently.
0: I'm looking right now. Frances, your daughter's name. Is she almost 12 or has she turned 12 yet?
1: She's almost 12. Uh, she turns 12 in July. But uh, we have a GoFundMe set up for her. It's, it, you know, this was a scary thing. like. So she's diagnosed with this this rare disease. It's a neurodegenerative disease, and it's so it progresses and it it just breaks you down, breaks her down as as she grows. So we're we're watching this happen, and it, we got the the assessment. We said, okay, well let's just sell everything. Let's let's figure out a way to 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 pay for this. And we we're looking at we we don't even have enough. To, I mean, we we won a Grammy. Like we have so much, and we still don't have enough to pay for this treatment. So, our goal right now with with Francis and with this band is to advance these sciences, advance this research to make it more affordable for families in the future.
0: I'm looking at the GoFundMe, and the goal is five million dollars, and it blows my mind that you know we're uh, we're in a country where. You know we we need to privately raise that kind of money and and I put you know I got to commend you and the band for for making this one of your focuses for people who are interested uh, if you go to the website Chris black changed my life you can see uh, a tab that is Francis changed my life and if you click on it there is an uh, opportunity to see Francis in videos of Francis and learn about the GoFundMe um, you know, I I think uh, I commend you guys for what you're doing and and for talking about it and for coming on a sports radio show for crying out loud, John and and uh, telling your story because I think there is crossover because guess what we're all people.
1: Yeah, I, that's the thing. We're all in this together, and that's that's what has, Portland has shown me. Uh, we didn't have a sports team growing up in in Alaska. Um, it it wasn't until I came down to Portland that I discovered my love of basketball and our love of the Blazers and. It was going to these games and seeing community show up. Like, Portland is one of those, like, it's a really bizarre place where you'll see spiked leather jackets at the Trailblazers games. <laughs> Everybody is there. There is no separation. Like, we all love the Trailblazers. We love the Timbers. We love the Thorns. We're here for the Hawks, you know? It's, it's a really beautiful place for that.
0: What do you do? Because I travel around in look, I know what a great... I chose to live here, right? I, and I know what a great state this is, and I know what a great city Portland is. It's been hard in the last couple of years because of the images people see on TV, and I got people calling me and going, are, are you okay? It looks like Portland's on fire, you know? And I'm going, no, it, it's it's not that bad, and and you know, you go downtown, you can still find uh, good people, good businesses, it's still a beautiful state. How can we help change that perception, John, and, and try to Maybe get the idea that Portland's a great city back, while city, while the city itself sort of gets back on its feet.
1: You know, I remember people asking me that. I went back to Alaska, and the Alaskans were asking me, and I felt like looking around, saying, "Like, yo, we are Alaska. You think I'm <laughs> scared walking down the street every day? Like, that is not what this is. It's it's never how it appears." I mean, this is like bigger, like world view. Like if you if you look at the world, we travel so much, and you end up in these places where people are like, they'll say, "Don't go down the street," like in Bogota, and they tell you these things. And it's, it's we're we're not even close to, to that kind of danger. Like it's it's a beautiful place. This city has been built on, again, it's community and it's so community focused, and it's. I remember the foodie movement starting here in Portland. I remember really seeing it for the first time here. And it just being about this city is about people who just want to make good food with the most affordable ingredients they could find. They were saying, you know what? Like I I went to school for this. I want to make some really good food for people and have a really good happy hour. You know, that, that's the Portland i I know. And it still is that like it, it, there's just this fear mongering during that, period that I think really freak people
0: out. You go to a Blazer game, do people come up to you and go, do they go John or do they go Portugal the man? Or Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) What do they say to you when they see you?
1: I love it when I get Portugal the man. That's the most fun for me. Um, It kind of depends. I I think Blazers fans are kind of like everybody. Portland's also a, an interesting place. Like, so if I'm in Alaska or Portland, I probably get stopped the least of anywhere else that I go. And I, I think that's another great thing about it's just what this city is. It's a, like, yo, know, we see him out all the time. He's always at Sugar Pine. Like, he's always out. Like, they're always out doing things. Like, you know, everybody knows each other. So everybody's really supportive. I'm totally cool with coming up and talking. And hanging out i think it's really really fun and it's especially it's very special at the blazers games like i love getting shot by like, kids who want to take pictures and just the parents out there it's it's really really fun
0: so i love it i enjoy yeah, I, it. Love, I love having you on congratulations on the album for people interested chris black changed my life is the album portugal the man is the band John Gorley is with us, and uh, his daughter, Frances, needs our help. So if you go to com, you can uh, link to the GoFundMe. You can see more about her condition and how you can get involved. And, uh, you know, I know you're banging the drum, so to speak, for this, John, but I know what it means to you to help, you know, raise awareness and, and help some other people down the road if, if the right kind of research can be done. And so if there's anything we can do, you let us know.
1: Thank you so much. I, I really, really appreciate it, and that's what I love about this place. Yeah, thank you.
0: All right. John Gorley, there he goes. Portugal the man. Their new album's out, um, and maybe that helps when you hear that song go, oh, oh hey, I know something more about uh, you know, the lead singer and, and the person behind the song. Uh, we got a great show for you today. I said we'd be all over the state of Oregon. Miss Oregon will be joining us uh, coming up at 4 o'clock uh, she is uh, did an internship at NASA. I want to hear about that. I want to hear about uh, you know what what it's like to be Miss Oregon. And every year we have Miss Oregon on in front of the BFT Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. She will be playing tomorrow. She'll be part of the field out at the Reserve Golf Course. I want to thank uh, High Caliber Millwrights and Brandon and the team there for their support of the BFT Foundation. They are the presenting sponsor of tomorrow's celebrity golf tournament out at the reserve there'll be a live broadcast 3 to 6 p.m. so you'll be hearing it all right here on the station that you're listening to damian lillard is he on the move Uh, the odds are jumping around like crazy as you might expect so are the rumors draymond green in portland i told you yesterday they were at el gaucho last night having dinner does that mean something are we having to read the tea leaves Will it be Draymond Green in a Blazers uniform, or is this just uh, Damian Lillard and Draymond catching up and, uh, and uh, having a, a dinner together? Uh, we'll talk about that coming up. Plus, later in the program, can Pac-12 teams truly contend in a four-team playoff era? This is the last year of the four-team playoff, if you want to call it a playoff. And how about an expanded 12-team playoff? John Willard and I kick that around coming up later in the program we got a great show for you today. Leave it locked in. you got the BFT statewide. Damian Lillard, is he staying? Is he going? If he's staying, who's playing with him? Who's in uniform for the Blazers next season? Draymond Green apparently in Portland yesterday. I had heard from somebody that told me that they had a reservation at El Gaucho, the steakhouse, and that the restaurant had said that – they could not honor the reservation because Damian Lillard had bought out the restaurant and was with Draymond Green. Apparently, um, I don't—I haven't confirmed that, and I really don't feel the need to. Like you know, it could just be if it's true that two friends are having dinner. Those guys are are close, and and they talk. Could be that he's trying to woo him to Portland. Is he wooing him? Can I say woo? Is he courting him? Can we say that in today's terminology? I'll say this: I've seen a few national media members. Write negatively and critically about Damian Lillard, and look—they're entitled to their opinions. I'm not—I'm opinion, I'm in the opinion business. I'm not going to sit back and tell somebody that you should or should not uh, be critical of an athlete who is on the fence or wishy-washy or trying to do what's in their best interest. I think um, ultimately, if you are a uh, if you are a uh, a proponent of the Blazers, if you're a Blazer fan you have every right to want what's best for the organization and if you are a Damian Lillard fan and also a Blazers fan you may feel some torn allegiance and frankly like let's let me just step back a little bit i i honestly think that like i was confused maybe a week or two ago as the draft approached and i i heard some blazer fans kind of talking about you know Damian Lillard's loyalty and the fact that they wanted what was best for Lillard and also wanted what was best for the franchise. And, you know, if they had to root for him in a another uh, uniform, they would be okay with that. And But a lot of frustration from fans who had sort of lamented that the team over the last few years has just not done enough to surround him with talent and make this a, the kind of place that he could view as a forever destination. Because clearly that's what's going on with Damian Lillard. Clearly he's looking around going, gosh, I'd love for this to be a forever destination destination but it just doesn't feel like one when I'm surrounded by players who are not ready to compete for wins in the NBA and so I think that a lot of Blazer fans feel a kinship with Damian Lillard you feel empathy for him because guess what you're kind of in the same boat as a fan bear with me you're not making 50 to 60 million dollars a year but this is your team and you are heavily invested with your emotion and with your disposable income. Some of you more than, more so than others. Some have disconnected from the franchise altogether. I've talked to a lot of people we've heard from callers on this show who will call in and say, Hey, uh, I'm not really on board with this team. I can't get behind it. And I know like, look, it gets old. It gets old covering a team that kind of spins in circles. I have to be honest with you. Like, there's, I have an exhaustion with the Blazers kind of standing in the same place, spinning around and, you know, taking a step forward and then a step back and then a step to the left and then a step to the right, and you look up three, four, five, six, 20 years later, and you go, gosh, they never really went anywhere. Like, what's the point of that, right? And so I think there are a lot of fans who probably have lived and died with Damian Lillard's heroics. 37-foot shot in Paul George's face to win a playoff series, getting to the Western Conference Finals, albeit you know the path was kind of laid out for the Blazers. But give them credit, they got there. And you know, watching Lillard score 71 or 50 or 60 on a given night, and and I, as a Blazer fan, I mean, you tell me, like, have you not felt that same frustration or maybe angst that Lillard you know finds himself with today? and literally meeting with Joe Cronin meeting with his agent and then probably going off to a park to kick a soccer ball around afterwards right like with his kid and going hey I'd love to be here uh, i you know he's you know i Damian Lillard happens to live in relative proximity right next door to to a family friend of ours okay so i've been over to the family friend's house and even before Lillard bought the property i went and looked at it before he bought it, and I looked at it just to be like, oh, there's five acres here, you know, What's it's for sale, it was listed, and, you know, I went and checked it out. And then Lillard bought it, and then put a fence up, and then began construction on his practice facility. And it's literally a practice facility. Like, I've gone to my friend's front door, and you can look over, and you can see the gymnasium and everything that Lillard has built there. Clearly, he wants to live here. Like, this isn't a temporary, let me live here for... You know, 18 months, and then I'll sell the place, move. When you build, you know, a brand new facility and and something of that scope in Oregon, because guess what used to happen back in the day when Blazer players would move into Lake Oswego or in Stafford Acres, not far from where Lillard is uh, is living now, and you know they used to have a hard time selling the place, and the only thing they could, the only person they could sell the house to would be somebody who comes in and gets the, you know, the, like, they'd all be looking at Scoot Henderson today, going, hey, when you get your second contract, I'm going to sell you my house so that I don't get stuck holding the bag. Because what is it? Like, Scotty Pippen took a bath on his house when he sold it. Zach Randolph took less than market value when he sold his house. C.J. McCullum went a little different. Still had a really nice house. It was one of the Street of Dreams homes. But he didn't go over the top with his house. Hassan Whiteside did. And I think he probably got stuck holding the bag. Kevin Pritchard built what looked like an Italian villa in Lake Oswego. And uh and when he got out, he had to turn to Blazer players that were on the roster and go, "Hey, you know, Evan Turner, are you interested in renting my house? Are you interested in buying my house?" It was uh this is what happens in real estate when Blazer players leave because there's just a very limited market for people who are interested in buying like a 5 to 10 million dollar property in the state of Oregon. So, um, I don't believe Damian Lillard intends to live anywhere else. So I think if he had his druthers like you, you chose to live here. You continue on a daily basis to choose to live here. I think he would you know, like to see Portland uh, as a NBA franchise be good enough that he feels good going to work. Because he's got options. And look, I relate to that. you got to feel good enough working where you're working or... Go do something on your own or go do something else. Like, like I think ultimately you have to, uh, you know, when you get to a certain age or point of your career, decide, you know, are you willing to just work for the sake of working? Because the Blazers could very well tell Damian Lillard in a meeting, hey, uh, guess what? Get to work. Uh, support your teammates. You're under contract. And it potentially could get very ugly because he knows down deep, players in the NBA uh, hold the keys in most franchises and in most negotiations. The talent rules in the NBA. The Players Association is too powerful. But I do think there's a faction of fans out there who are looking at Lillard and who are saying, hey, he has done what we have done. He has been loyal to this franchise even when it didn't deserve it. Do you not relate to that as a Blazer fan? I bet you do. You've been loyal when the Blazers were of the jail Blazers era. You've been loyal when... They traded away Rasheed Wallace and and ended up winning 21 games the following season. You were loyal when Paul Allen threw the arena into bankruptcy, trying to negotiate more favorable terms. You were loyal when the Blazers drafted Greg Oden and it didn't work out. You were loyal when the Blazers pivoted from the Brandon Roy era and put it all in on LaMarcus Aldridge, and, and you were loyal when – Aldridge uh, left via free agency or was forced out by Neil Olshay, whatever you want to call it, and now it was the Damian Lillard era. You have been loyal through all of this, and probably far more loyal than Damian Lillard has, if we're being real, because he's getting paid. He's got a max contract. I said this yesterday. Like, in 2027, at the expiration of his current deal, he will have made uh, the third highest amount of money among NBA players who are active at that time. Steph Curry will be number one. Kevin Durant will be number two. Damian Lillard will be number three. Is he the third best player in the NBA? Probably not, nowhere near it. But he has stayed in Portland, and therefore he is eligible under the uh, Players Association and the collective bargaining agreement that they negotiated for the Supermax contract. He's got the all-NBA accolades. It triggers every possible avenue for revenue that he can get. And so that for that reason, I say you're more loyal than Damian Lillard is. You have stayed invested in a franchise that has had an abusive relationship with you and has not delivered on its promise to chase down the best players and assemble the best possible team. And there's been a lot of tomfoolery and ballyhoo, so to speak, okay? Like Neil Olshay did what was in the best interest of Neil Olshay most of the time. Damian Lillard is doing what's in his best interest. But I think the the difference here is a lot of you probably feel like the franchise hasn't done enough for you either. And for that reason, I think you do align yourself with the the franchise's star player. Because I think in a lot of other markets, this whole Lillard thing would play differently. And I think it's why some of the national media members aren't getting it. Like, they're missing the point. Like, you know... One national columnist said that Damian Lillard is becoming the most annoying player in the NBA right now. Wrote that. And I'm going, what do you mean? I read the column, and I was like, ah, gosh, this guy doesn't really know what Lillard's relationship is with the fan base. Like, he's still an NBA player. There's still a division between regular folks and and professional athletes that exists in any city. Okay? And, oh, by the way, he's making a lot of money doing what he's doing. So it's not all just like, oh... He is uh he is doing all of this for you know the love of the game and because he um you know he really uh really loves Portland and food carts and the outdoors. I don't think that's it at all. I think he likes living here. I think he loves the idea of being loyal to the soil, so to speak, team that drafted him. I think he likes the fact that he has been able to capitalize on on uh, the contract available to him because he stayed with the team that drafted him. Um, and I think he really wants to be on a team that is at least passable and and looks like it has a chance to win or win big in two to three years. And for that reason, I think that meeting on Monday was very important. It was not like, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski said, oh, these meetings happen all the time. No, no, Woj, I, with all due respect, Portland's a different place. Okay? And I know I've said that over and over to my friends who don't live here. I'm like, eh, it's a different place here. Portland's a different place. And I think Lillard really wants to be here in his heart, and I think he wants to live here, and I think he knows that his kids are probably going to grow up here. So I think if he does leave, he wants to leave on terms in the, that you're okay with. But I think down deep, like if the Blazers did make a move, at least in the short term between now and February, to get him one player... That could stand beside him on the court, where he felt good about going to work. I think it would go a long way, and I think that's kind of where we're at. Like, look, what's <laughs> kind of- we interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald hey, Face. Sorry Trump to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.